Hello, my name is Adina Broder. Welcome to Torah Imecha Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today, we'll be studying Sefer Habakkuk, Perak Bet, Chapter 2. Let's do a quick review of Perak Aleph. Habakkuk had a vision about the Babylonians becoming the world empire and inflicting pain and suffering on B'nai Yisrael. Habakkuk questioned Hashem how he could allow such injustice, whereby an evil nation like Babel is allowed to prosper. This parak begins with Habakkuk saying, Al nishmarti e'emda, I will stand on my watch. Habakkuk says that he is literally waiting for Hashem to answer him. Some, like Rashi, say that Habakkuk drew a circle in the sand and stood inside it, declaring that he wouldn't leave until God answered his challenges, meaning that Hashem would explain to him why he is allowing the wicked Babylonians to succeed. This behavior is similar to the story told about Choni HaMagal, whom you may have heard about. At the time of the Tanaim, there was a drought in the land, and people were desperate for rain. Choni, a righteous man, was given the nickname Choni HaMagal, Choni the circle maker. This was because he drew a circle in the sand and he refused to leave until it rained, and it worked. Choni HaMagal may have learned this stunt from Habakkuk many years earlier. So Habakkuk is waiting for an answer, and he says he wants to know Ma'ashiv al Tochakti, which means, What will I answer my complaint? Why does he say, What will I answer? Shouldn't it be, What will Hashem answer? Some say that Habakkuk knew that when he told over his prophecy to the people, they would have the same questions that he had about how Hashem operates and why he would allow the wicked Babel to prosper. They would expect Habakkuk as the Navi to give them answers. So Habakkuk is waiting for an answer not only for himself, but for B'nai Yisrael as well. In Pasuk Bet, verse 2, Habakkuk says, V'ya'aneni Hashem, and Hashem answered me. Hashem is about to give Habakkuk a vision, which will explain how things will eventually be just and fair. Hashem told Habakkuk, Ketov chazon uva'er al haluchot. Habakkuk was instructed to write this new prophecy on stone tablets for all to see. But Hashem tells Habakkuk that he is only being given part of the vision, a vision about what will happen to Babel, but not about when it will happen. Hashem says in Pasuk Gimel, verse 3, that there will be yet another vision told to someone else about the time set for the end. There are two opinions about what this other vision is, what the end is referring to, and who will be getting that other prophecy. Rashi and some others say that this other vision is talking about the same topic, how Babel will be destroyed. The end, in this case, would refer to the termination of the Babylonian Empire and the Navi who will get this prophecy is Yirmiyahu. As we know from Sefer Yirmiyahu, Hashem tells him exactly when Baba would fall, which would be 70 years after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. However, there's another interpretation of this Pasuk. The Abarbanel interprets this other vision to be referring to Mashiach. When it says the end, it's talking about the ultimate end, the actual redemption. This prophecy would be given to Daniel, who prophesizes about the end of days. Daniel was told when this would happen, and many have tried to decipher his visions to know when Mashiach would come. However, this is not the correct practice. The vision was told in a cryptic way because it's not meant for us to have this information. 
In fact, those who try to do the calculations to figure out the date of the redemption are criticized sharply because they get it wrong and cause people to lose faith. When speaking about this other vision and the end, the Pasuk says, which means even though it tarries, we should wait for it. This phrase works with both interpretations. According to the view that this other vision refers to Babel's downfall, we can understand how this seems to be delayed because Babel would thrive for 70 years, but in the end, they would be defeated. Abarbanel disagrees because 70 years isn't such a long time. So according to him, it doesn't fit with Hashem saying that we'll need to wait for it because it tarries. Again, he maintains that the second prophecy refers to Mashiach coming. Obviously, that is something that we need to wait for. The words from the Pasuk, hakelo, sounds like what we say in the Animamin that talks about Mashiach. Basically, these two interpretations are disagreeing about whether Hashem's answer to Habakkuk was narrow or broad. If Hashem was just addressing Habakkuk's specific question, why should evil Babel get to prosper, then it makes sense that this other vision is about Babel. Hashem is saying, don't worry, they only succeed for a short time, but then justice will prevail. The second opinion takes a macro view, that Hashem was addressing Habakkuk's broader question of Russia Vitovlo, why good things happen to bad people. According to this view, Hashem answers more generally, that at the time of Mashiach, all will be fair and equitable in the world. Either way, in the next few psukim, Hashem specifically lets Habakkuk know what will happen to Babel, since that was his immediate concern. Hashem acknowledges that Babel was unworthy of success. In verse 4, Hashem says of the king of Babel, upla lo yashra He is puffed up, meaning arrogant, and his soul is defiant. We know that both Nebuchadnezzar and his grandson Belshazzar were haughty and egotistical, and that's what led to each of their downfalls. This will be expounded upon in the next few psukim. In contrast to those wicked individuals, the Pasuk says, The righteous person should live by his faith. As opposed to someone who is conceited and thinks that all of their successes are the result of their own efforts, the righteous person lives in humility, with the faith that everything that he has comes from Hashem. In Gemara Makos 23b, it mentions that Habakkuk said of this verse, where it says, that it sums up the Torah. According to Habakkuk, the 613 mitzvot of the Torah could be boiled down to this phrase. Habakkuk was saying that the essential tenet of Judaism is to have faith in Hashem, to realize that everything that ever happened and everything that will ever happen is the result of what Hashem wants. Habakkuk continues with Pasuk hey, verse 5, to describe a man who is Bogade Gever Yahir, a treacherous, arrogant man. This could be referring to either Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar. It's unclear which. Nebuchadnezzar was the king at the beginning of the Babylonian rule, and he was the one who established Babel as a world empire. Belshazzar was his grandson, and he was the last king of Babel. Both men were very similar, and, as mentioned, this Pasuk could refer to either one. Verse 5 talks about the influence that wine had on the king, which was true of both Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. In fact, because of their heavy drinking, those names are used to describe huge bottles of wine. 
a Belshazzar-sized bottle of wine is the equivalent of 16 normal bottles, and a Nebuchadnezzar-sized holds 20 bottles of regular wine. So our Pasuk, which talks about a king drinking wine, could refer to either one of them. Radak says that this drunken person refers to Nebuchadnezzar, who was intoxicated on his own power. Alternatively, Rashi says this refers to Belshazzar, who, under the influence of wine, used the vessels of the Beis Hamikdash, much like Ahasuerus did years later. Verse 5 continues with Habakkuk saying that this arrogant person doesn't stay at home and doesn't have a dwelling place. Again, this could refer to either Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar. As we'll learn in Sefer Daniel, Hashem caused Nebuchadnezzar to lose his sanity for seven years and behave like an animal, living outside in the field. So when the Pusuk says that he didn't have a dwelling place, that aligns well with what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Equally compelling is the view that this phrase about losing his dwelling place refers to Belshazzar, as he was the last king of the Babylonian Empire. He not only lost his seat of power when he was killed, but having no descendants, his royal house ceased with him. The rest of the parak describes the punishments that the Babylonians will suffer. These punishments can be divided into five parts, each describing a different aspect of the downfall. The word hoi is used to begin each of the sections. Hoi is an interjection, meaning alas or woe, and speaks about something bad. Obviously, this is from Babel's perspective. From B'nai Israel's standpoint, and from the perspective of justice, this is a good thing. Psukim 6 to 8 talk about Babel having to pay back what they stole. Verse 6 begins the punishments. Hoi hamarbel lo lo. Woe to the one who amasses wealth because they are not his. This can be interpreted in two ways. Either, very simply, woe to the one who steals because he will be punished for it. Or another way, woe to the one who amasses wealth because in the end it will not be his, meaning Hashem will not allow him to keep it. So what was the use of his efforts if in the end they are for naught? And this is what happened to the wealth of Babel. The kingdom of Madai, Medes, took it from them. These psukim show that Babel will get its due with regard to their thievery, but Hashem isn't done. Pasuk Tet, verse 9, begins with the word hoi, showing that it's a new section. This section talks about the shame will befall Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians for their thievery. Pasuk Yud, verse 10, says, Ya'atzta boshet levetecha, that because Nebuchadnezzar's empire was built upon stolen goods, it will bring him shame. Verse 11 says, Ki even mikir tizak, that the stones of Nebuchadnezzar's castle will testify against him. Instead of Nebuchadnezzar receiving glory from his extravagant castle, it will be a source of humiliation because people will know that it came from Babel's thievery. Psukum so Yudbetu Yedalad, verses 12 to 14, form the next section, again starting with the word hoi, woe. With Babel's downfall, other nations will recognize Hashem even if just temporarily. Pasuk Yud Gimel, verse 13 states, It will be clear that the punishment came from God. As we noted, Nebuchadnezzar's bout of insanity, during which he lived like an animal for seven years, was not a natural occurrence. It was obvious to everyone that Hashem had orchestrated this. And during King Belshazzar's time, he was shown a miraculous writing on a wall, which foretold his downfall. And indeed, Belshazzar's death happened that very night, again making it apparent that this was ordained by Hashem. 
Pasuk Yudalad, verse 14, builds on this idea by saying, Ki et kvot Hashem. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem's honor. The Pasuk compares this acknowledgement of Hashem to water that covers the sea. That phrase implies that while the ocean is present, it becomes more recognizable when water pours on top of it. Similarly, Hashem's might and vigor always exist, but it became more evident when Hashem exacted justice on Babel. The fourth section of punishments is found in verses 15 to 18, again introduced with the word hoi. This section speaks about Mida Keneged Mida, where Hashem punishes measure for measure. Pasuk Tedvah, verse 15, says, Hoi re'ehu. The king, either Nebuchadnezzar or Balshatzar, would get others drunk and then take advantage of them. But verse 16 promises, that those kings will become intoxicated, which will cause them to stagger. The downfall of both Nebuchadnezzar and Balshatzar came about through their drunkenness. The fifth section, beginning with the word hoi, speaks about the worthlessness of idols. Pasuk Yutet, verse 19, says, Hoi omer la'etz ha'kitza uri la'even dumam. Woe to him that tells wood and stone to awaken. It should be obvious to all who fashion carvings and statues and making them into deities that kol ruach ein bekirbo. They have no spirit in them. They are meaningless and without value. In the last Pasuk of the Perak, Habakkuk compares those worthless idols to the might of Hashem. Bahashem behechal kacho, hasmi panav kol ha'aretz. Although Hashem lives in his heavenly abode, his influence and providence extend over all mankind. With this, the Perak ends. In a nutshell, Hashem answers Habakkuk by telling him that justice requires patience, that Babel's success is only temporary, and in the end, it won't prevail. They will get the punishments that they deserve. And some would say that Hashem's response was even broader, encompassing divine retribution for anyone who does wrong. The lesson for us is that things in the world may seem unjust at times, but we need to have amuna, faith, that when Hashem deems it to be the appropriate time, justice will be served. A key phrase to remember from this parak is tzaddik be'emunato yichyeh, that a righteous person must live by faith in Hashem. Thank you for studying together Lule Nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat Alexander Sender.